Welcome to another episode of What the Fuck Did You Make Me Watch? The podcast where we find the best and worst of film, television and new media and try and see if we can make each other love or hate it or at least like it enough to give it some fucks. And we are your hosts, Michael and Davina. Um, last week we looked at Child Stars of Our Youth, uh, which was a bucket load of fun. And this week we assigned each other reality or documentary shows that we thought each other would, well detest yes because we already know how much i fucking love documentaries they're my favorite davina you know how much i love reality <laughs> uh, yeah and i i mean i love good reality but i fucking detest bad reality and you were just down to test my patience i found a cracker for you i'm so excited uh, to hear what you thought of my reality TV show later on. But I did give you a documentary first up. So uh, this one was recommended to me by a friend and it's called Grizzly Man of a man who goes and believes that he is, you know, making connections with the grizzlies in this particular wild part of the world until he gets eaten. So let's have a bit of a listen to Grizzly Man. For 13 years, Timothy Treadwell lived among the grizzly bears in the Alaskan wilderness. During that time, he shot over 100 hours of videotape. Until 2003, when he was killed by one of the bears he had sworn to protect. Well, I'm here with one of my favorite bears. It's Mr. Chocolate. Hey, Mr. Chocolate. He's been with me for over a decade, and he's been my good friend. Oh, he's a big bear. He's a big bear. A very big bear. Wow. When you spend a lot of time with bears day after day, there's a calling that makes you want to come in and, and spend more time in the world. Expedition 2001, I came here and protected the animals as best I could. In fact, I'm the only protection for these animals out here. Animals rule. Timothy conquered. He tended to want to become a bear. Most times I'm a kind warrior out here. Occasionally I am challenged. And in that case, the kind warrior must, must, must become a samurai. Right, you. Where the fuck did you find this? <laughs> I blame my partner. Oh, it's her fault, is it? It's totally her fault. Yeah, well, I remember when she named the horror movies that I made you watch. So, yeah. yeah. Thank you. Is, yeah. This is, re this is revenge. Fuck me. This is... Right. I mean, documentaries bore the shit out of me generally. You can even... Like, I'm one of those people you can take really interesting documentary content and I really just don't really give a shit very much. It just doesn't do it for me. Um, and what's even worse in documentaries is... Uh, the worst part is the fucking reenactments which thankfully there, there aren't any reenactments re in this but the second part is the commentary like let's talk about something and then let's have somebody on screen talking to us about what we were just talking about in the fucking voiceover are you having flashbacks to when i gave you that like poltergeist kind of scary uh, ghost thing i can't even remember what it was called oh yeah i am the fucking <laughs> ridiculous bogans will believe anything with a fucking cold breeze yes paranormal survivor I'm a survivor. Uh, oh, fuck off. <laughs> Seriously. So I'm just thrilled with the genre to begin with. And uh, I, I'm just so enthralled with, with Grizzly Man, which I tell you what, these are some deceptive assholes that made the marketing. It's fascinating. Come on. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> They've made the poster and it's Grizzly Man and you see this 
big bear in the distance and the sun's behind it and the clouds and the bear's going raw and then the man is walking towards the bear and you're like oh my god what will happen and it's so like oh dramatic what it actually is is some fucking handheld footage interspersed with some fucking interviews telling the story of the crazy bastard who went to live in the woods with bears and died yeah who, yeah. be- who became entree for the bears Pretty much. That's exactly right. His name was Timothy Treadwell, and he was out there with uh, uh, Annie. No, Amy, sorry. Uh, Hawkengard. Um, <laughs> can't pronounce that. Whatever. And he was so in love with these bears, these grizzly bears, and he wanted to go out and protect them and get to know them and be with them. So he lived out in the fucking wilderness with these bears for... I lost track of what it was because, you know, this is another one of those things I checked out 10 minutes in and I was trying to just pay some semblance of attention as I'm watching him. But he basically went out for a long time. I think this was like years, like somewhere close to 10 years that he was out living in the wilderness with these fucking bears because he just wanted to be near them. Big fucking, I'm going to eat you, you tiny motherfucker bears. There's got to be like an element of mental illness here, though, seriously, to believe that you were communicating with and communing with and were immune to the bears, that they wouldn't necessarily do this to you as some part of their family. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe they just smelled how fucking crazy he was and they were like, I ain't touching that with a 10-foot pole. But look at the photo of him, though, as well. Like, the number of photographs you've got, you know, if you have a look at any of them him, of him online, he's he, you can see he's not... It's not the brightest crayon in the box. No, not at all. And you saw that watching the film too. Um, I mean, the cutest part of the film was he befriended a fox and this little fox followed him around and he's you know, telling the story about how he met the fox and the fox fell in love with him. And like the fox follows him around like a puppy and it's fucking adorable. And he's out there filming the fox. And, no, 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 yeah, great. Um, but then yeah, there's all this footage of him with the bears and he's getting really close to them and they're not eating him. I'm like, mate... You're just like a fine like delicacy that they're waiting for you to mature or whatever. They know that now's not the time. They want to make sure that you're out there and you're starved and maybe they're like a nice, tough, tender human and, you know, see, see how the meat has matured. It's like you don't always feel like a cheese plate, but when you want one, That's right. you're going to go one. You're going to keep it in the fridge. You know it's nearby because he's not going anywhere. Um, so literally, this film is just this footage of him out there with them, and it's not particularly interesting. It's just like him and bears and then him talking to bears. It only gets more interesting the crazier that he gets. And, like, you literally get it like towards the end. They're showing him where he's just out there and he's just, like, this manic state of, like, bears and we've got to be out here and, oh, they're just out here and I'm out here and it's all about this and it's all about that. And I don't know what he was talking about. So clearly... <laughs> I don't know what, like, he didn't actually make any sense for me to have articulated that to be able to relay it back to you, just about how precious the bears were, and he's got to be out there to save them. And so his only way to do that is to live with them. Um, and it was this really weird, like, the kind of implication, because, um, you know, spoiler alert, as you mentioned at the beginning, was <laughs> they eat him. He gets eaten. Surprise, everybody. Um, the, the, the creepy part was when he gets towards the end, like, they're playing this footage where it's almost like he was giving his final words, like he knew that it was time for the bears to eat him or he was going to go and allow himself to be eaten by the bears. From watching that, it was this really intense, like they said this was the last footage he ever filmed himself to camera and he was really just like going schizo in the eyes and he was just like, you know, getting really 
passion as though every word that he was saying was the last word that he was going to say and like this was just the most important time he had to tell you how important it was for these bears and they're like and then we never saw him ever again so you know these people like who advertise on craigslist looking for someone to eat you know and then people actually volunteer for that to be eaten by these people. I feel like he was getting to that stage and like the bears were his Craigslist and he's like, I'm coming, I'm coming, you can eat me, I'm done. I want to devote my life to you, therefore have my essence of being. Pretty much. And I mean, maybe the whole through line here is he went out there with the intention for the bears to eat him and they weren't fucking interested. And it's- yes! It took him 10 years to find a bear that wanted to fucking eat him. That fucker, he went down to the stream, he found a pregnant salmon and smeared that row all over himself. <laughs> it's like, you will eat me. You will. Eat me, damn it. Eat me. And that's why he was so sad at the end because they still hadn't eaten him. And then they did. Um, and yeah, like, honestly, I, I could probably find a documentary that I might like. It's not this one. It's just not this one. No, it's definitely not this fucking documentary. <laughs> I can't. You know, I can see why this might be interesting in like a a half-hour TV special, but this was like an hour and 40 minutes. An hour and 40 minutes just cutting back and forth to the crazy bastard in the fucking wilderness living with bears and then cutting back to people saying, yeah, he was really fucking crazy and we loved him a lot. Cutting back to him with the bears, cutting back to people saying how crazy he was. Like, how can you do that for an hour and 40 fucking minutes? Well, I think they did, as you can see by this documentary. Yeah, so that's it. I'm done. Like, <laughs> checked out. Fuck you guys. Oh, how many fucks, Michael? Can I give it negative five fucks? Like, I can't even care enough about this person as a character and his fucking stupidity to even warrant a zero fuck. Like, just fuck off. He wasn't even a character, though. He was a real person, Michael. No, he wasn't a real person. You're an asshole. Yeah, I am. Sorry, but he wasn't even a real person. He's not a real thing. The movie's not a real thing. Shouldn't have happened. Leave him out there. I fucking wish he hadn't filmed it. Sorry. No one's surprised by the this statement that you're an asshole, Michael. It's fine. That's why we love you. Yeah. Now, <laughs> let's head on to what you gave me. Um, now, you gave me a couple of things this week, but I couldn't find the movie version of what you were looking for. So instead, I found a TV kind of series that is pretty gosh darn close. I think it's really going to, to suit with what you were going to say anyway about the film. I mean, there are two films that are the greatest fucking travesty to reality television films that were ever fucking made. One of them was Jackass. Oh, God, yeah. Jackass 2 and the Jackass fucking TV shows. So in the same vein here, there's a TV show, but there was also a movie, a fucking feature-length movie. Thank you, British people, who makes... Is it British people? Was it Americans? Americans. Oh, yeah, sorry. I apologise, British people. You do make good TV. Uh, But thank you to fucking Americans for bringing us the real Cancun. Have a listen. This spring... The producers of The Real World bring you the ultimate experiment in reality filmmaking. In Cancun, I'll sleep with anybody that smiles at me. Girls go on spring break to find guys like me. Why do we need guys? We might as well just go and be girlfriends. <laughs> Dude, did you hit that? I can't drink anyone. 16 college students, one week in Cancun. The cameras weren't the only things rolling. I'm sorry, Howard. This never happens. The Real Cancun. 
anything can happen during spring break. And it did. Right, so um, as I said, couldn't find the full movie, but this is the real world Cancun TV show. So this is what uh, apparently you can't stream in Australia, the real Cancun. Don't call this shit real world. Seriously. Well, it called itself the real world. So I, I'm just echoing what they've the title they've given themselves. They can go fuck themselves. Now, I've, <laughs> I've just literally started watching this, right? And in the first 30 seconds, my name's Ray Gunn. It's not, it's Joey. And I'm a firm believer in the alien takeover. The next one, I'm Janae. I know my relationship's going to be okay. I'm not worried at all. I even got a promise piercing. A what? <laughs> she got a piercing on her left. I'm like, sweetheart. She's like, it's permanent. I'm like, mm, that's going to mean a lot of things to a lot of different boyfriends over your life. Piercings are permanent. Well, I know, but whatever it was, I don't know what she did anyway. And then there was this other woman whose name I can't remember that basically hocked a box on social media to be put onto the show. Like, she literally went onto this giant social media campaign to get put onto the real world Cancun. Um, Oh, my God. So I'm like, what the fuck is going on? This is ridiculous. Mm, What is Cancun? Well, Mexico, Cancun. I don't fucking know. I didn't go to school for geography. Fuck. (laughs) Cancun is a stunning location in Mexico with beautiful crystal blue waters, you know, and just it's a a giant party place as well. I'm sorry to all of my school teachers, but it sounded like somewhere in fucking Europe, like Ibiza or something to me. Fucking Mexico. I had no idea. Oh, okay. I'm going to show you photographs after this because I would love to go to Mexico and I'm sure as heck would love to go to Cancun. Um, The basic plotline for this series is there are eight people who are apparently strangers, but two of them have worked together before and they're put into a house in Cancun, Mexico. Correction, they're put into a penthouse apartment uh, in Cancun, Mexico. They work for some, they're meant to work for some student travel group. Um, And the introduction alone is all of them in bikinis, blue pools, staring into the eyes, straight down at the camera, kind of, you know, fluttering eyelashes and all that sort of bollocks, you know, like with their come fuck me looks. I'm like, oh, Jesus H fucking Christ. Um, And then one of them is called Aliyah or something, but she's got about 70 eyes in her name at the end. Like the rapper that died in the fiery plane crash. Aliyah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, oh, sorry, without the L, Aia. Oh, Aia. Aia, Aia, Aia. God, for, like, for fuck's sake. She literally introduced, like, yeah, it's like Alia, but without the L. <laughs> Legit. She totally does. Um, and then they all go out to lunch to begin with. They all meet each other over this table. And at one point, you know, they're like, all right, so who's straight here? And they went, oh, wait, let's turn the conversation around. Who's gay here? And this one guy goes, yeah, that's just, that's me. I'm the gay guy. And then I think his name is Bronny, some kind of like ducked up kind of, I don't know, sport dude uh, with a shaved head. Uh, and one of those six packs that isn't a proper six pack, but uh, um, it's almost like a I had definition painted onto my stomach six pack. Let me guess. Did he put a line in about, well, that's okay as long as you don't hit on me, bro? No, he didn't. Oh, wow. Do you know what he did say, though? Can I have a hand job? <laughs> <laughs> No, but I haven't seen the whole series. What he did say was, it's a gay guy. Yes, I'm going to get him to help me with my outfits. Oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) Yay for being a two-dimensional character in a reality television show. I know. And then at some point during the lunch, you hear this one going, yeah, you know, I'm adopted. As if they wanted sympathy. And someone else goes, 
yeah, bitch, I'm adopted too. And then someone else goes, yeah, bitch, I'm adopted too. It's like everyone in the entire world in this series is adopted. And then... Does that explain why they're so damaged? Well, this is my my, my question. And then... But then that explains what comes next, which is, which is I have anxiety. I have ADD. I have an STD. I'm, I'm not sure about the last one, but... They literally start sharing all of the shit that is wrong with them. I think that's in their contract, though. It's like, you need to be on the show, you need to be hot, you need to be fucked up, you need to be ready to tell everyone about it at the drop of a hat. Here's some booze, here's some condoms, off you go. But at the drop of the very first hat, this is lunch where they're meeting each other. Like, it's mental. Um, one of them, his name is, his name is Joey. Joey's life goal is to play punk rock to an arena of 14-year-old girls who are all wearing Joey fan club t-shirts. Is this not a little bit pedophilic, like, filial to you? Yeah, that, and it's just, like, Joey from Friends. Seriously. Yeah, but 14-year-olds. Joey from Friends at least went for, like, legal-aged women. So he specifically wanted 14-year-olds? Yes! Air? Literally said, my my like my life goal is to play punk rock to an arena of four, like thousands of screaming fourteen year old girls who are all wearing my fan club t shirts. Maybe he meant that from like a monetary perspective because he knows that that's what the money is. Don't don't excuse this bullshit behaviour. <laughs> right. Don't be an apologist for a pedophile. <laughs> <laughs> oh sweet Jesus! No, I was just hoping that maybe. That was just a statement gone wrong. You know, maybe he's actually not a fucking creep. But given everybody else, let's assume he's a creep. Until they go, like, your job, Joey, is to keep other students safe. And he's like, yeah, but do I get to party? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, party. Party. And then, and then um, he's, oh, God, he's like, he's he's the first one to bring people home. And he's like, I'm going to have like a revolving door. Well, he didn't say that, but I'm just going to have like a different woman every night. Yeah, and he totally does. Like night one, he brings someone home. He's also going to have crabs. It's pretty much. He's, they're staying at a hotel. Guess what the hotel is called? The Crab Inn? No, <laughs> close, but no. PTSD? It would be, the only thing that would be close that you would say would be selfie. It's called me. Me. Ha! <laughs> me. Of course it is. Oh, my God. One speaks Spanish. One works at Hooters. One dude was a nude model for art classes. Joey plays guitar. Joey the pedophile plays guitar, but apparently doesn't know how to tune it because he plays it while it's out of key. <laughs> Within 10 minutes of them going out on their first night, Joey and Bronnie made a bet to try and bed Janae, who's the only one with girl with a boyfriend in there, right, with a 500 peso bet. Oh, so they're making a bet over who's going to have sex with a woman. That's really fucking healthy. Isn't that beautiful? It's lovely. And then this is my favourite bit. Joey is drunken in bed by 11.45 and Bronnie is so drunk. He's vomited in the middle of the dance floor and all over CJ, one of the other people who has only met him like two hours prior. Oh, that's cute. And Janae goes home alone. Happy. Yay. And they lose the bet. So that was night one. That was night one. Oh, right. Fucking strap in. <laughs> Grab a strap on. Away we go. Lube up. You need to because night number two, Bronny, the dude that I think has got a, a spray painted kind of six pack because it doesn't look like it's normal. It looks like the guy who was the paparazzi dude, the really famous paparazzi dude. That was exactly who I thought of. I think his name is Darren Lyons, if I'm correct. Yes. Pink mohawk. He was in Celebrity Big Brother and he had the fake mo- uh, fake um, yeah, six pack that he had yes. surgically implanted. Yes. This is like what Bronny, this Bronny dude is. Um, so, so he's anyway. Joey's making out with this woman who's called Courtney with two E's, um, <laughs> and then Bronnie starts making up with this woman, and everyone's like, 
oh my god, she's a Sharon Osbourne twin. <laughs> she's a cougar. And then Joey, uh, who's making out with Courtney, Courtney's like, oh my god, that's my bum. He's making out with my mum. <laughs> <laughs> get oh. fucked anyway so joey takes courtney with two e's home and uh his comment to cameron the next day is i feel accomplished to be the first one to get ass in the house i'm kind of proud of myself well that's fucking charming so cj who obviously can't sleep in his own ha- his own bed because um you know courtney with two e's is in there screwing um what's his face joey the pedophile joey um and so CJ goes and sleeps uh, and spoons a woman called Emily who's in the house. Um, he tells his girlfriend the next day because when she's coming out, yeah, last night I slept in the bed with Emily, but it's all good. Look forward to seeing you. And she's like, oh, look, you know what? I'm not fucking happy with that. Is there not a couch she could have slept on? And he went, yeah, of course there's a couch I could have slept on. <laughs> it didn't have a petite woman in front of me on it, though. Exactly. So he then just writes a letter to his apparently I'm in love with girlfriend breaking up with her uh, because, you know, it's just she shouldn't feel so uncomfortable about that. Um, so he then goes and gets cornrows from a street vendor. What are they, in fucking barley? He's going to make himself feel better. And then Emily, who he spooned the night before, collapses in tears because she's apparently thinks she's a homewrecker. Um, and then everyone hates each other because it's three days in, they've drunk too much booze and haven't drunk enough water um, and, and think each other's a bitch. Please tell me this is resolved by somebody willingly and deliberately setting fire to the penthouse and them all perishing. Yeah, no. Sorry about that. Um, so this series has got tantrums, physical fights between the guys and the girls, pass outs, cougar shags, relationship breakdowns. They've just basically got the horny sponge of pretty young people they could who have zero boundaries, Michael. And they threw them in a house together. Uh, uh, they will absolutely not get the security deposit back for. There are threesomes, lesbian hookups, and one ends up in a Mexican fucking jail. Joey spits on someone's food. His guitar gets ruined by the girls throwing water all over it. The main storyline is who's going to shag who, including Donna, who's the one who got a promise piercing. Uh, and oh. 90% of the dialogue is the word bitch. Uh, my favourite moment in the whole thing that I saw, though, was when the house is split. The girls are like, fuck you, boys, we're going to go out. And the boys were like, fuck you, girls, we're going to go out. Uh, but they were all meant to go out together. The boys took off and left the women there, right? And then the women realise the boys have taken off. And then one of them is literally standing in the driveway of the hotel going, I didn't like you anyway, screaming at a bus as it takes off down the street going, fuck you. Funniest thing ever. I'll see if, I, if that was me. I would have just gone back to the room with a bottle of wine and binge watch some TV. Oh, hello, and use the spa. It's amazing. How many fucks? This is poverty porn. There is something about watching a group of young people destroy themselves and their reputations on TV while you're sitting back sipping on your old person Chardonnay, Cardinet, a pack of shunts, both judging them and living life through them. I give them two for the level of reputation repair they need to do after this series. Two fucks. Jesus. It was actually, it was fucking funny just because they were actually like, it's terrible because I'm not actually having to live their lives after they've come back, but watching them destroy themselves was actually very humorous. They all would work in service stations now. Yeah, pretty much. But at least one of them would have an Instagram account with like 100,000 followers and you can all come and try this new protein powder if you use the special code of XXTiffanyXXO. Pretty much. You're listening to WTF Did You Make Me Watch Podcast with Davina and Michael. Yes, you are. And 
I'm really sorry for what you're about to be put through because I'm even more sorry for what I was put through. You think you had to watch poverty porn? I don't know what the fuck you made me just watch. This is a television show that is in its fourth season? It's yes. fourth fucking season? Yes, it's amazing. I don't even fucking know where to begin. So come with me, people. Have a listen to some of my strange addiction. I've tried, then I can't stop. December 29th on TLC. Maybe I felt dirty inside. Some stories make your heart break. It is psychological, it's emotional, it's physical. And some make your jaw drop. I love eating toilet paper. I am addicted to sleeping with my blow dryer. I'm addicted to eating laundry detergent. This is one of the worst smells I've seen. That could be fatal. It's my dirty secret. The series premiere of My Strange Addiction. Wednesday, December 29th at 9, only on TLC. How could you not love this, Michael? Go fuck yourself. (laughs) That's all I have to say is go fuck yourself and anybody else who suggested this and who has contributed to the fact that this thing is still fucking made and on air and people are actually given money to create this shit. Go fuck yourselves. I've never seen something so horrendously fucking stupid in all of my life. My strange addiction, my fucking strange cry for help, my strange cry for fucking attention, my strange cry for I'm a fucking idiot. Michael, you cannot tell me that someone eating chunks of concrete is some kind of addictive thing. It's not fascinating to watch. No. Especially when they say things like, I'm having trouble with my teeth because I keep eating concrete, and the issue is the teeth, not the concrete. No, no, it's fucking... Stupid. I'm sure half of these people make this shit up so they've got some outlandish television to watch. So, in case you're unfamiliar, My Strange Addiction is like a docu-series about people with what they claim to be strange addictions. And they're so embarrassed about them that they go on international television to tell the world about it. You know, it's like those people who go on those... um. Um, was it My Embarrassing Body or Embarrassing Bodies, that UK TV series? See a doctor. See a fucking doctor. You are in the UK. You have a fucking public health system. Get off the television. The NHS can look after those cysts that are popping up all over your penis, sweetheart. Like, we don't need to see it. Fuck me. Seriously. So, basically, I experienced a few of these episodes and I will never get that time in my life back. And if you can... Never, never watch this program. Take my my warning for this shit. Basically. You're bullshit. Sorry. I need to pull that. Go watch it. Go watch at least two episodes because it's fucking ridiculous and funny. Don't listen to this bitch. She's the crazy one who came up with making me watch this. Right. So my first guy is a man who I don't even care what his name is. No idea. Not interested. He is in love with his car. Yes. He's having a ro- romantic relationship, a romantic gay relationship, might I add, with his fucking car. Yes. He goes and kisses his car good morning and good night, and he goes and he sits in it, and it's another one of those fucking docu-series things where they say something, and then we cut to an image of them doing what they just said that they do. Every morning I kiss my car and then I rub myself against it gently against the bumper, because that's where I feel like it's erogenous zone is. And then cut to an image of him rubbing himself over his fucking car. I'm like, stop it! It's a car! He's in love with the car. And he wants to tell us all about it. How when he first saw it. And he buys the car special gifts. And takes us on special rides. That he has sex with the car. 
How is that possible? I don't want to know. I just saw the images of him erotically rubbing the steering wheel, kissing the steering wheel, and talking to it sensually. Do we not see him fucking his car? I feel like that's a missed opportunity. I would find the people that made this and burn it to the ground if we had to actually see that. Fuck me. No, we do not see him having sex with the car. We see and hear all of this other shit. But the fucking icing on the cake on this man's story is... I don't know how people at my work would feel about this if they found out that I was having a romantic relationship with my car. I wonder if they'll watch the television program that I'm on that is detailing me having sex with my car. I love that as they deliver it straight to camera. (laughs) Straight to camera. I wonder, I don't know what I feel or people would feel about me at work if they knew. Hmm. Going on television is probably not a good idea, fucking genius. <laughs> so we have him. What sort of STD would you get from your car, though, if your car was fucking about? Oh, I wish I was funny enough to figure out a really good car joke pun for STDs there. I got nothing. I wish you'd told me this in advance. I could have, like, stewed over for at least an hour trying to come up with really good S car STDs. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. A bit of... I'm, I'm not even going to try. No, don't. Because <laughs> I'm not... Yeah. <laughs> As I was like, thinking of the car names I know. Like, I know a Ford, I know a Yaris, that's about it. Um, so we have him. We have the guy who his strange addiction is dating older women. I'm like, that's not a strange addiction. You just have mummy issues. Fuck, no, you have grandmummy issues. <gasps> that bad. His ideal age range is 60 to 85. Why? I don't know. He just loves, as he describes the the women with the, the silver blonde hair, he describes them as silver foxes. I'm like, that's not a silver fox. A silver fox is Anderson Cooper. But anyway, go on. See, I make it look, I understand. Women are just as sexual as men their entire lives. Oh, he tells us all about that. <laughs> all about the sex with the grandmas. We find out plenty. You know... You know what? I reckon those grandmas, they would be loving this shit. They're just like, you know what? All of a sudden, I feel like I am as desirable as I was when I was 20. Good fucking on your ladies. Way to go. That is exactly what they said. We cut to interviews with the women that he's having sex with. And they're like, oh my God, I feel so young. I feel so pretty. And that's great. Like, this is wonderful. I'm not saying this is a terrible thing. Go and have sex with a grandma. Great. Have, yeah, wonderful. Great. It's not really a strange addiction. And you just come across as a bit of a fucking creep when they're like, let's set him up and let's put him on a, he can go on a date with a girl actually close to his age. And then he's like, yeah, so I met Brittany. And the first thing I thought was, she's really pretty. I wonder what her grandma looks like. No. The fucking first thing he said. And then they got him to obviously tell her on the date that he was into grandmas. And she's like, oh, oh, oh my God. Yeah. So there was that. Um, there was also the girl uh, who is addicted to uh, eating, inhaling, drinking air freshener. <gasps> yeah. oh, these are my favorite ones. No, she's a fucking idiot. She has up to 20 cans of air freshener, but any particular flavor a week. Yeah, well, you've got your favorite flavors, surely. Like... Air fresh, like frangipuni. It was something like an iron fresh or something. Or pourange. Shitrous scent. Iron fresh, she loves it. And she's like, oh, here we are. Here's where I spray it directly in my mouth. Here's where I spray it over ice and then just drink the ice. (gasps) No! I shit you not. (laughs) 
I'm like, what fucking are you? And they, they take it all to work, and she's like, here's where I hide my different cans around like the, the showroom floor. She works in a furniture store, and she's like pulling it out of like pots and containers and shit, and just spraying it in her mouth. Does she like 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 when people pull out those like cans of like like uh, Dairy Whip and stuff, and then just start like like yeah. spraying them in their mouth? Yeah, that's how a bitch drinks it. Yeah, straight in the mouth. And her boss knows about it. Her fiancé knows about it. She's trying to convince her fiancé to do it as well. Where does this shit start? Like, at what point? Was she just, like, licking the furniture? Like, at what point do you go, I really would like some air freshener, like, in my belly? You know, for some of them, and I think with people like her, I think maybe they went, mm, how am I going to get on television? Let's find all the shows. Oh, this is one. I might tell them that I like air freshener because maybe she doesn't. Maybe it's not actually air freshener. Maybe she's a fucking actress. I don't know. But that's pretty fucked up. Like 20 cans a week and the bitch isn't dead? I have my doubts about the reality of it. You look at her teeth. She's still got perfectly white teeth. There would have to be some serious side effects of somebody taking 20 cans a week of fucking air freshener in their mouth. I agree with that. There would have to be some serious side effects. Exactly. Like you're talking about Concrete Man, who I didn't see. But seriously, you're chewing on concrete every day. Your teeth aren't chipped and your mouth isn't going to shit, you don't have serious fucking stomach blockages, you aren't dying. Well, this, this one, they actually did have teeth issues, which is why, but that was the, it's the reason why they were getting help. It wasn't, wasn't because they were actually eating concrete, it's because the teeth weren't doing so well. And I'm like, you know, come on, mate. You're like, I, I eat dirt. It was like a scene from The Simpsons. Like, it was just nuts. This dirt tastes like dirt. I eat dirt. It was like that, like seriously. Michael, how many fucks do you give my strange addiction? Please give it five because it's fucking ridiculous. It's not even one. This, this, I would never, ever watch this ever again. Not even nothing. Like I'm not a person that's like, oh, I'm going to watch YouTube and sit here and get lost down a YouTube hole of funny things about people. Not even that. No way. Don't care. Fucking what awful. Are we even, what about on the scale of like weirdness? Oh, on a weirdness scale, it's like a 2,700 out of 10. Like, <laughs> fucking weird. But how many fucks do I give? I get none. It's terrible. This is, like, you're, it's worse than poverty porn. These people need fucking help. They need a fucking intervention. They don't need us watching them and going, ha, 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 you fucking crazy asshole. I love this TV series because it is. It's all about let's just watch it. It's fascinating to watch, but we're not actually going to give you any kind of, like, support to get out. We're just going to make money off you. This is, like, two or three weeks in a row. I've just had absolute shit that I haven't liked. If you don't change shit up soon, we're going to have problems. Oh, no, don't even start with that bullshit. You gave me another Stephen King last week. Let's move forward. <laughs> um, right, Michael, you gave me, um, you know, another child star. That could have, this could have been last week, but it isn't. It's this week. It, it could have, you're right. But it is also, you know, the queen of kind of, you know, one of the variations of reality formats is the one and only Miss uh, You Get a Car and You Get a Car and You Get a Car. And instead, she's like, you get rehab and you get rehab and you get rehab. Um, so in comes the, like, you know, it's like the interview, the documentary of, of the season was Lindsay Lohan and Oprah Winfrey. The final intervention. Have a listen. I believe that you believe that this is your time mm-hmm. to turn this around for yourself. I believe that. Yeah. I believed you when you told me that. It is. Okay. All right. If that is the case, then you are not going to up. And I know you're surprised to hear me say 
I actually love it. <laughs> you're not going to be it's doing awesome. <laughs> You're not going to be doing that. I, I, I need to hear that from you because it helps. It, it empowers me. Yes. And so you need to cut the You really do. Okay. Just cut the Okay. You know what to do. Because what I really feel deeply from you and profoundly that you just don't have head intelligence, you have heart intelligence. Phenomenal things are gonna come from you if you don't continue to block them. Right. Because I don't wanna hear again about the, you know, the changing of the sky. It, it, you know this, you make an agreement, keep your commitments. I can't stand up for you, I can't back you up, I can't be there for you if I can't trust you. You sounded like David Attenborough then, like, you know, like Lindsay Lohan was some kind of species of endangered bat. That's going to be my next career move. I'm going to do celebrity documentary um, narrations like that. And here we have the native Lindsay Lohan. Yes. As you can see from the bottle of vodka near her, it's uh, it's about 9.30 in the morning because half of it's gone already. Um, we know that by the time we reach 10.30, the rest of the bottle will be gone and she'll be picking up the crack pipe by 12. <laughs> That's pretty much about it. The basic plot line, Lindsay Lohan is apparently at rock bottom. She's been to rehab. For the sixth time. Well, she's been to rehab so many times now, and it's it's both uh, (laughs) court-ordered and self-check-in. Um, so self-admitted, self admitted court ordered oprah decides to give her a uh, to give her another chance uh, to give her some cash that can support her in her going because whenever you give cash to addicts that ends well um, so oprah decides to give her a life and sobriety coach and film a waltz and all apparently doco series with lindsay to blow uh, to sorry to blow her to follow her <laughs> On the road to recovery. I feel like that's kind of actually what this was actually about. It's terrible. It's a Freudian slip. Oh, it's like this is what was going to happen if she didn't get the cash. It was going to be Lindsay to blow her. Like she would be blowing whoever she needed. Like, fuck. This is, you know, this is the series where Oprah famously said, cut the bullshit, you know, but cut the beep. Yeah. You know, this was the real deal. Like, nobody else is going to sit down and tell Lindsay how it is. Like, Oprah. She needed one person to be there to change things. And that person was Oprah. 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 Um, everyone went, oh, wow, Oprah's getting tough. I remember the time with everyone going, wow, Oprah really showed her. Yeah, she was really tough. Bullshit. You know what? It, now, looking back on this, I absolutely call bullshit on this. Oprah let her totally run free and destroy herself because it was fucking great for ratings and she made a truckload of cash. I think during the process she made a connection with Lindsay because if you have a look at the Oprah Winfrey Network at the moment, there is currently an article out um, which is, you know, um, all about uh, Lindsay's new clothing line and how she's really stable now. It's probably financed, funded, and managed by Oprah with the Lindsay brand on it. Lindsay gets a fucking allowance out of it. I'm sure. It is. You can see. You can see that. You know. Um, my look. I Oprah. So the Oprah Winfrey Network have got their own channel on YouTube. I found all of these on YouTube. Unless you're in the states and have the Oprah Winfrey Network app, you can't actually watch this. So uh, if you're here in Australia, anywhere else in the world, jump onto YouTube. You can see truckloads of like snippets and chunks and whatever from this particular series with Lindsay Lohan online. So I went and had a look at it there on on YouTube. One of my favorites are 
uh, the life coach comes in and she's like, um, Lindsay, uh, I found a bottle of wine in your room this morning. Uh, sorry, an empty bottle of wine in your room this morning. And Lindsay turns around and she's like, I don't need to explain myself to you, but you shouldn't have to talk to me about this on camera. I just think that's really rude. We're meant to be friends. This is the fucking documentary about your sobriety. And you're like, don't fucking talk to me on camera about the fact that there's a fucking empty wine bottle in my trash can. Yeah, she didn't want to have anything of this filmed, even though it was being filmed. It was like, the fuck are you doing, Lilo? Like, fuck. What the fuck did you sign up for? You know, she literally needed the money so bad and she'd say yes to anything. And you're right. Oprah didn't have fucking anything to do. Like it was like the beginning. Her and Oprah had the hard chat, like Tom Gleason, hard chat. And then off they went. And like, Oprah didn't have anything to do with the rest of it. Oh, she was off in a fucking little apartment and it's like, oh my God, I'm moving. And and Oprah was nowhere to be seen. Oprah only had to intervene again when Lindsay started suspending all of the filming and stuff because she was doing other dodgy shit. And I'm going to get to that soon. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. So anyway, um, that um, automatically you're just like, this is fucking ridiculous. And then you cut to her, right? She's she's lighting fucking candles around yoga mats and she's wearing a strong is a new skinny T-shirt. She's even costumed for the fucking part. This is her directing and filming her own documentary, doing costume design, fucking everything. This is not Lindsay being honest at any point. This is her creating what she thinks is her piece de resistance of Lindsay's fucking life. Pretty much. It is ridiculous. So um, at one point as well, her sobriety coach, who's there for a certain period of time, then goes, okay, it's time for me to leave. And they go, so do you think if Lindsay's still sober? And he pauses and he says, uh, I don't know if she's still sober. I don't, but um, long pause, long pause, long pause, really freaking long pause. I'm not going to discuss if Lindsay is still sober. That's between Lindsay and Lindsay. I'm like, hello. It's between Lindsay and the camera crew and the fucking payroll department. And her trash can of fucking empty wine bottles. Oh, yeah, that's her. Okay, and we haven't even got to the uh, L cover shoot in Indonesia. Lindsay misses the cover shoot start time, right? She's working with a photographer who only works in natural lighting. So they need to hit, they must hit their morning time. Like, yes, we're going to record it this time. We have to hit it because the light will be perfect. We, if we're late, we're going to miss it. Oh, Lindsay misses that. Four fucking days later, they <laughs> they still haven't managed to actually film the thing. And they now have to do it at night, despite it being a day shoot. The photographer, as I said, only uses natural light. They've had to return all the clothes to the designers for the day shoot because it's now a night shoot. But Lindsay decides then she'll lend her own clothes and then goes on this tirade about, you know what, if I listed all the shoots I've been co-stylist on, it would be a full novel. Bitch, you bought your own shoes. Yep. You, you gypped a designer sales in the process. You didn't do the interview you needed to do. And then you get pissed, so you start suspending shoots. They've literally delivered 19,000 pounds of clothing and furniture to her new downsized Soho apartment, right? Girl's got to live in style when she's desperate. She's got a team of freaking 10 around her, like either waiting downstairs to bring fucking boxes and shit up or upstairs trying to make sense of it all so it doesn't overwhelm her. 
I love the part where they weren't going to lease her the apartment and give her the keys because it was Lindsay fucking Lohan and she was a security risk to the apartment. Yeah, well, hello, if this isn't obvious enough. Um, so they're like, when she wakes up, it'll be terrible. So this is all early morning. Cue all day. They're waiting for her. She sleeps all freaking day. And then when she finally emerges... She sees the boxes. We don't even give time for a, for a camera to get on her. She turns around, walks straight back in, slams the door and sends a text message going, shooting's cancelled, send everyone away. Yep. I think that's a perfect way to uh, to end that story. It's just ridiculous. Like this whole – and they, they end up interviewing mum, Dinah, dad, Michael. The whole thing, they're all actors. Every single one of them. Oh, yeah. The Lohan Empire is built on just continuing to fabricate and dramatise this story around this poor fucking damaged bitch. No wonder she has got issues. You know, they're all in for fame. Dad recorded Lindsay having a rant to him about Dina, like, doing cocaine, and then he recorded it and released it to the world. Don't worry about Lindsay. Anyway, she then spends the next fucking month backpedalling going, oh, no, my mum doesn't actually do cocaine. I was just on a bender because that's far more believable than my mum doing cocaine. No, it's not. Yeah, but it's plausible. It is plausible. Um the whole thing is about trying to up their daughter's earning capacity so they can then rack up purchases at Barney's and buy more Coke. It's all for show. There's no real depth. It's all bullshit. Oprah wasn't tough. Um, I particularly love the scene where Lindsay says to her dad, Dad, you weren't there for me. And he goes, yeah, I accept that, sweetie. Yeah. Like, what the f- Not, not- It's part of his recovery process as an alcoholic doll. I, ex- I accept what you say, but no, he, was, he went to jail nine freaking times. Really? Nine times? Yeah, for stock fraud. <laughs> um, anyway, you can actually have a look at the minisodes that are available online at the OWN, Oprah Winfrey Network YouTube channel. And as I said, if you're on the, got inside America on the Oprah Winfrey Network app, Oprah totally did this for ratings. But as I said, I do think she grew to care for Lindsay. The whole thing is poverty porn, which seems to be the theme of this evening. If this were any less tragic, it would be much funnier. And about halfway through, it actually ceases to be funny because you can see that they're doing it entirely for their own gain. So unless it's where Lindsay's throwing a massive tantrum, I don't really give a fuck. Only for half-decent funny episodes along the way. So exactly how many fucks? Mm, God, one and a half because it was good for the first little bit. And then I'm done. All right. One and a half. Yeah. Thanks for listening to What the Fuck Did You Make Me Watch with Zavina and Michael. Don't forget to find us on the socials. That's right. You can find us on Twitter at WTFU Make Me Watch, on the facial books at WTF Did You Make Me Watch, and of course, leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We're going to be back same time next week with our next delicious episode. Davina, what are we looking at? We're looking at anything with drag, anything where people dress up as the opposite sex. And it's going to be some doozies. See you next time. See you then. Do what the fuck.